Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. My name is Dustin Gold. I'm your host. I'm your leader. I'm your friend. Because we are telling you the truth here at the Dustin Gold Standard, folks. I want to show you. I just pulled up on the screen. We'll take a short break from that article for a moment. I pulled up on the screen. So I, I just want to show you this for people that, that don't know. You just go over to Google here, all right, and type in hand microchip payment. And I know some of you are going to say, why are you using Google? Use DuckDuckGo. Use this. Use that. I just use go Google. When I need to find other documents, I'll look at other places. But I, everything is tracked anyway. I just use Google, all right, for the show because I have to use Google Docs and I have to use Google Spreadsheets. And so I have to use all this stuff that's been tied together. And I just don't have uh, – I would have to take four or five days off of everything, stop the show to rebuild my little business infrastructure that I've been using for 12 years. And unfortunately, I'm tied into Google. So I'm over here at Google and I research hand microchip payment. And so look at this right here. Uh, top article, BBC, April 2022, the microchip implants that let you pay with your hand. You can now get a payment chip injected beneath your skin, turning you into a human bank card. We have foxbusiness.com, April 19, 2022. Hand-implanted microchip could change contactless payments. Hand-implanted microchip could change contactless payments. The implant process, which the company claims is safe, costs $299. Fox8.com, April 17, 2022. No more wallet. Hand implant allows people to pay with chip. The implanted inside a person's hand and use as one tap a credit card for payment. You go over here. I mean, there's all types of articles, folks. This is Fox 5, New York. Fox 10. Oh, this is Newsweeks. You can now get a payment chip implanted in your hand. The company called uh, Walletmore is selling microchips the size of a small safety pin that is implanted under the skin of the individual's hand. Let's just click on this. Right here, Polish-British company is offering individuals the opportunity to receive a uh, subcutaneous implant inside the hand that is capable of making payments like any credit card or digital payment. 
The company WalletMore is selling microchips the size of a safety pin, and they're 200 bucks, folks. According to the company, more than 200 individuals have already received the microchip, and WalletMore believes it's because people do not want to worry about losing their wallets or getting their bank cards stolen. A national study conducted by Biostat found that more than 72% of Poles worried about having their wallet or card stolen or lost. Nearly 47% also said they would receive an implant if it was completely free. 47%. I don't believe there's 47% of Polish people overall that would do that, but it's got a little uh, picture here of the hand with kind of an x-ray circle, and it shows this rice-sized grain stuck between the fleshy part between your thumb and your index finger. And so I'm not going to go through all this, folks, but this is the point here. Uh, Here we go. The idea of a microchip implantation is nothing new, with some people in Sweden seeking to receive microchips containing COVID-19 vaccination records. But this is the first case in which a microchip is used to make payments. So I'm going back to Google, and we've got a British microchip implant takes hand swipe payments, uh, paying with your hand using a microchip. A tech company will implant payment chip into your hand, all this stuff. And, like, let's look at the Google questions. Who makes contactless payment chips? These chips have the standard eight contact pads on the front of the module and two contactless. uh, Okay, yeah. So this company, these are the uh, contactless payment pads. They're also involved in these chips as well. Uh, How do I scan my body for a microchip? People are asking all types of questions on here. So anyway, here's the interesting part. Let me just bring this up. I mean, that was interesting, but let me bring this up as well. So I had done a bunch of research last year. Uh, Actually, no, I think it was this year. Might have been March. So my wife had a significant amount of money stolen out of her savings account. Uh, I've mentioned it before on the show. And actually, I'm going to do a couple of episodes on how to beat the banks and get your money back because we went through some serious, serious battles with City to get the money back. And if I didn't have my mother, who had worked in the fraud department at City, explain to me how to work this up the chain, and if I didn't know Mike Moore, who gave me some tips, he used to work with City, I wouldn't have been able to get this done. Anyway, I had done a bunch of research. I was trying to figure out how they were able to swipe her information. And so I ended up, not on the dark web, but on some pretty seedy uh, forums on the internet. And I was reading all about these scanning devices that these biohackers make to scan RFID chips. So inside of your modern credit card, your hackless credit card or your debit card, there's the chip. And I see old people at the grocery store all the time. They think it's cool that they can tap their card on the little uh, credit card scanner or where you plug your chip in. And so you tap your card with the RFID chip. I disabled mine, by the way. I broke it a long time ago. I didn't like it because I had read that they could track you anywhere you go by the RFID chip in some of the cameras and sensors they put inside City. So I smashed it with a hammer. So I insert my card. Uh, But They make these uh, scanners, these biohackers. For a couple hundred bucks, I could make a scanner, and I can go into 
let's say, a self-checkout area of a grocery store. And I can have my scanner in my backpack or you can put it in your your wife's purse or whatever. And you get close to people. Now, some of the older technology, you'd have to actually bump into people to lift that data. And what happens is the RFID chip will actually transfer the payment data over to this little scanner device that you have. And you can lift all this information. Well, there were biohackers making these to be able to pick up data from like 10 15 feet away so basically you go back to your card now and you have this recorder and you sucked all the rfid data out of 5 10 25 50 people whatever depending on how long you were hanging out in that self-checkout area and then you can use that information to make purchases online or you can get blank debit cards and have them printed up with that data on those and so if you read about this from the cybersecurity side they will tell you that every time you tap that chip, it recreates sort of a new code. Well, the biohackers figured that out, and it actually doesn't work. So you're going to go get this chip put in your hand, be tracked everywhere, all the time, all your spending habits. And uh, it's probably not secure on top of it, even though one of the major selling points is they're going to tell you is that this is highly secure. So there you go, folks. We talk about microchips. It's all right there. People like you, people like me have been talking about this for years, and we'd be laughed at by our friends. You know, well, are you going to put your Alex Jones tinfoil hat on? How about you wrap the uh, tinfoil around your hand now, you idiot, so that people can't steal your payment information? I mean, the microchips are here, folks. So you got Elon Musk rolling out the brain chip in the next couple of months. He is just a public version of the government of DARPA, the Brain Initiatives Project, to install these brain-machine interfaces inside of humans. And now you have the rice-sized microchip that idiots are lining up for to have put inside their hand. All right, so all very real, all here, ladies and gentlemen. So solution, avoid it. Because you're not going to stop it. So avoid it and just say no. Just say no. That's solution number one. All right. It says here, we're back to the Guardian.com article. Uh, We ended with uh, its interpretation with broad credibility, often repeated in the pages of The Economist and in the conference halls of Davos, World Economic Forum. It says, yet it's also entirely wrong. Central to the story of technological inequality is the idea of skills biased technical change sbtc the theory that technology by automating middle income jobs splits the workforce into high skilled high wage workers and low skilled low wage workers this polarization fuels inequality since elite workers reap an ever growing share of the rewards right so the polarization fuels inequality so What have we seen over the last, I don't know, since as long as I've been paying attention to politics, let's say 2007 is really when I got involved, so 15 years, it is always this uh, vision that they create, that the elites are screwing the little guy. Well, they are, but it's always the elites that are the ones selling the story. If you remember back to the days of Barack Obama when he was running for president in 2007, he would go out on the campaign stuff and he would say, you know, the 99% versus the 1%. And so we're going to help you. We're going to make things equal. 
But what he never really admitted to was he was the 1%. The 1% gladly take the slings and arrows in order to sell you further into a slave system. They've done this since the beginning of mankind, folks. It operates like a cult where you are supposed to believe you are special and these guys are talking directly to you. This is how people fall for the Trump scam. This is how people are falling for the Elon Musk scam. This is how people are falling for the Kanye scam. They just dangle out these billionaires to pretend to be your friends and tell you that they're going to help you fight the man when they are the man. They are the man goes on to say, but economic data suggests there's no evidence that this is actually taking place. If it were true, you'd expect to see well-educated workers using their skills advantage to bid up wages. Instead, wage growth has stagnated since the 1990s for workers of all education levels. Workers in IT generally considered the quintessential high-skilled field earn about as much today in inflation-adjusted dollars as they did in the late 1990s. So if technology isn't to blame for inequality, then what is? What is? It says elite-led globalization, the transformation of the tax code, the growth of the financial sector, and above all, the collapse of working-class power since the 1970s. Inequality isn't the inevitable byproduct of technological change. If it were, other industrialized countries should show levels of inequality comparable to the United States, and they don't. The United States has far higher levels of income and wealth inequality than Sweden, and nobody would call Sweden a technologically undeveloped country ladies and gentlemen it's a very interesting article article we're going to finish reviewing this and then i'm going to get into the biden administration and show you a little further on what they are working on as far as the rollout of universal basic income and central bank digital currency and then tomorrow i decided we're going to wrap this up we're going to finish up with consensus and then i'm going to move into some of the video panel discussions because wide awake jim told me he's going to be referencing some of those during his appearances probably next week i know he's on a business trip so he's going to try to squeeze them in we'll see if he can if not there's a couple other topics i have to cover and then we'll get back to this stuff when Wide Awake Jim comes on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be right back. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard. I am Dustin Gold, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. And we're going to continue here with the Guardian.com article. It says what Sweden does have, however is stronger unions and a stronger welfare state. This means that when technological change does happen, raising labor productivity, at least some of the gains of that greater productivity are passed on to workers instead of going to the owners of capital in the form of profits. 
This isn't the case in the United States where productivity has grown over the past several decades, but wages have flatlined. From 1973 to 2014, net productivity grew 72.2%. Over the same period, the hourly wage of the median worker rose a meager 8.7%. Meanwhile, corporate profits soared. Technology transforms production, but power and politics determine how the dividends are distributed. For that reason, weak working class organization tracks inequality far more reliably than technological innovation. As the historian Colin Gordon has observed, labor's share of income, quote, has fallen most rapidly in those sectors where union presence withered, not where computers displaced labor, end quote. The theory of technological inequality may fail, but it does serve a function. It absolves the elite of responsibility for the growing gap between rich and poor. It also makes capitalism look meritocratic. Technology, by automating routine tasks, has enriched those exceptional few who are smart enough to perform tasks that are too complex or creative to automate while impoverishing the rest. The question not asked enough is, is the utopia of the imagined future a place we would actually want to live? Is it, folks? Do you want to live in this technological, technate utopia? It says, for most of us, I suspect the answer is no. Even if every kind of work is abolished by automation, with robots raising our children, growing our crops, and cleaning our teeth, there will be political decisions to be made about what kind of society we want. In the world imagined by the UBI tech elite, those decisions would inevitably be made by the people who own the robots. In other words, them. See, folks... This is an article from 2016, really is relevant today. But it draws from all the research we've done here at the Dustin Gold Standard on the history of technocracy, those thousands of pages of documents I got my hands on. This is why I keep saying, not only is the future of the technocracy inevitable, we're living in a technocracy right now. The scientists, the engineers, the technologists, the Silicon Valley fat cats, they run the whole system. And technocracy is a culture. It's a culture. It's a culture of technology. We just gladly embrace it. And we're okay with being spied on and tracked and letting uh, Apple scan our face to be able to open up our phone. We're okay with all of that. Goes on to say, at best, this might resemble a benevolent dictatorship where a small class of, quote, wealth creators, end quote, manufactures and maintains the machines that make it possible for everybody else to lead workless lives. They'd give us allowance to live on and keep the rest for themselves. And as I've explained to you, again, that comes out of technocracy, where they're going to run the entire system as one giant machine. It needs to be run from a position of science and engineering. And so, as I've brought up to you before, and I had not read this article at that time, I said, what are we supposed to believe? These people are benevolent dictators. They're going to run all these machines all day long to produce all the goods that we consume, to provide all the services that we utilize. 
uh, for the purpose of then cutting us a check to allow us to sleep at home in our bed all day or eat bonbons or plug into the metaverse and play Grand Theft Auto 92. I mean, that's really what they're going to do? No, that's not what they're going to do. It's not what they're going to do because you have to bring eugenics into the mix where they literally started sterilizing the people they deemed to be unfit, unemployable, and feeble-minded. This is the system we're in. I mean, I mentioned it the other day. Somebody sent me a video, uh, I think it was in Canada, where they're talking about being able to murder your own child up to one year after it's born if it's deemed to have mental or physical issues. You can just have it euthanized. Come on, folks. It's so evil. It's so evil what this system is. And it's all right in front of you. This is all open source intelligence. You know, so you need to understand this if you want to be able to live around it. The more I read about it, the more I say, well, it is inevitable. It's coming. The people in charge are moving it forward, and 90% of the folks walking around in the grocery store are right on board with this stuff. It goes on to say, if you believe that wealth is essentially a private product produced by individuals, then such an arrangement might seem fair. But in a modern economy, wealth is produced by society as a whole, and nowhere is this fact more apparent than in the case of the tech industry. Ever since the United States military funded Silicon Valley into existence after the Second World War, the tech industry has fed on a steady stream of public goods. And, I, and I've covered that on the show, that the United States military funded Silicon Valley. We tied that into Operation Paperclip when we brought over 1,500 Nazi scientists and engineers into this country almost immediately after World War II ended. And we launched programs like MKUltra, where we allowed Sidney Gottlieb, the chief chemist of the CIA, to be trained by the Nazis and the Japanese torturers and then run mind control experiments. We were told for 10 years, I say it never ended, where he was literally allowed to set up illegal prison camps in East Asia and in Europe and torture and kill people. And right here in the United States, he set up fake foundations under the CIA to send out LSD and other psychedelics to prisons and universities, institutions and hospitals and test them on folks without them knowing, right? So there you have it. Silicon Valley funded right after World War II and they're in charge of the country. They're in charge of the economy. This is a technocracy. So it goes on to say those goods might, uh, by government research, uh, th- uh, those goods might be government research, mine for profitable inventions, or the contents of your Gmail inbox and Facebook feed, mine for advertising revenue. What matters is they're free, and they're free because we give them away. If the robots ever arrive, their arrival will be bankrolled by our taxes, our attention, our data. Under these circumstances, a basic income would be the crumbs left by the bully who steals your sandwich. Better to keep the sandwich for ourselves. Better to own the robots collectively and allocate the surplus democratically than leave society's wealth in the hands of its luckiest members. It says, uh, now, now, this is... um, 
Okay, so that's where that article ends, actually, okay? And so I find it to be uh, quite interesting, right? There was a lot of nuggets that we pull out of this article, folks. Very important to understand this. So what they're advocating for is a system where we all own the robots. We're not just getting handed the crumbs. But I don't agree, and I wanted to point this out, with the author, the technology isn't necessarily the issue. I think it's a combination of what the author presents combined with with technology but the point here is that these billionaires these billionaire technocrats have engineered have rigged a system that we all live in now and the solution is going to be that they're going to hand out they're going to hand out this universal basic income but it's going to be tied to central bank digital currency which as we pointed out to you is programmable and it's expirable right it's not like dollars in your pocket all right it's like getting up points from the gas station and you have to use them within a certain amount of time which completely stops and i pointed this out to someone on twitter last night i was having a back and forth conversation with it totally prevents you from building wealth and that is all part of the original technocracy documents going back to 1919 there is no wealth allowed in the system only those at the top the technocrats are allowed to be wealthy. Everyone else has to be equally poor. All right, folks. Now, let's move on from this. We're back at this whitehouse.gov um, paper that we pulled up yesterday. Technical possibilities for a U.S. central bank digital currency. And this was uh, published September 16th. 2022. Again, this is by Dr. Alondra Nelson, head of the White House Office of Science and Technology Policy, and Alexander McGillivray, Principal Deputy United States Chief Technology Officer, and Nick Murata, Policy Advisor. So we went through a little bit of this yesterday, and what I'm going to show you now are some of the documents referenced in this article. And we showed it to you because we had found an article from a year earlier talking about how the Biden administration was going to test out universal basic income under the child tax credit, but that CBDC was not going to be on the table. A year later, they start rolling out all of their papers on central bank digital currency coming out of the White House. Now, this is not Joe Biden, obviously, who's moving this forward. This is all part of the WWE circus. This stuff is all orchestrated, folks. All right, let's just pick up where we left off. It says, notably, these benefits and risks might vary significantly based on how the CBDC system is designed and deployed. That is why Executive Order 14067, ensuring responsible development of digital assets, placed the highest urgency on research and development efforts into the potential design and deployment options of a United States central bank digital currency. The executive order directed the Office of Science and Technology Policy, OSTP, in consultation with other federal departments and agencies to submit the president a technical evaluation for a potential U.S. CBDC. And so let me see, folks. We have this. All right. So this is it here. Uh, This is at federalregister.gov and this is ensuring responsible development of digital assets a presidential document by the executive office of the president on march 13th 2022 it says by the authority vested in me as president by the constitution and the laws of the united states of america it is hereby ordered as follows and this is executive order 14067 
And then it goes through section one, policy. I'm just going to read a little bit of this, not all of it. It says advances in digital and distributed ledger technology for financial services have led to dramatic growth in markets for digital assets with profound implica- uh, implications for the protection of consumers, investors, and businesses, including data, privacy, and security, financial stability, and systematic risk, crime, national security, the ability to exercise human rights, financial inclusion, and equality, and energy demand and climate change all right so changing our money system to central bank digital currency will resolve all of those issues don't you know it goes on to say in november 2021 non-state issued digital assets reached a combined market capitalization of three trillion dollars up from approximately 14 billion dollars in early november 2016 monetary authorities globally are also exploring and in some cases introducing central bank digital currencies all right so then this document and i'm flipping through this for the video folks over at pain.tv slash gold this is very long ladies and gentlemen very long document with what are we up to section six section eight we're over here now at section 910. So there's 10 sections in here, all very long. Again, this is from the Biden administration, from the Office of the President, Executive Order 14067, ensuring responsible development of digital assets. So we're going to go back over here to the technical possibilities for U.S. Central Bank digital currency, and we're going to go through the other documents that are referenced in here. So we have the uh, policy objectives for potential United States CBDC system. We have environmental concerns raised by some privately issued digital assets. That's about uh, how much energy they're going to use to run the computers. You have 18 technical design choices. uh, And then we get into already financially vulnerable communities at greater risk. And then they talk about the president's directive. So I'm going to show you some of the documents that actually come out of this particular document because you're going to see how far advanced this is from the governmental side of this. So we've talked about technocracy. We've talked about Silicon Valley. We've talked about the technologists. We talked about all the people that are backing the idea of universal basic income. We've talked about CBDC from a uh, technological standpoint. We talked about Bank for International settlements international monetary fund united nations world economic forum and the world banks and now i just want to show you what's coming out of the white house and i'm going to wrap this up today in the next 30 minutes we're not going to go too deep into this because uh there's just so many different rabbit holes you can go down and i don't think it's all important it's just important to see there is movement coming out of the united states government to move this stuff forward at the same time we know that the federal reserve is running a test on cbdc right now on the rln network that we explained here at the dust and gold standard and that's in partnership with 11 or 12 private commercial banks and regulated non-banks including td bank uh, and some others like city and they're working right now with this rln network to test out central bank digital currency ladies and gentlemen i'll be right back as we look into the mind of joe biden ladies and gentlemen i am dust to go with the dust to gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. 